This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. If you will, to change the world, to be who they want to be as they grow, as they go out into the world, and to really make a difference in in the world. If you are a parent, I invite you to take a second to think back to the moment that you brought your oldest child, your first child, home for the first time. I remember that moment. I remember walking in the door with Marcus, my oldest, in the car seat, setting him down and suddenly feeling the extreme weight and responsibility of parenting float down all around me. Until that moment, I had been surrounded by people who were helping me, the nurses at the hospital and my mom and my mother-in-law, everybody was there helping. But suddenly there was a moment when it was just me, just me and my husband. And the role of parenting became very real. Do you remember that moment? There is so much that comes with that responsibility. It's so much beyond just making sure they're fed and that they're safe and sheltered and warm. There is suddenly, somewhere in that moment, the recognition that you have the responsibility to raise these kids to be all that they can be. That you have a responsibility to embed in them your core values, to share your beliefs, to teach them how to be good people, and to then somehow allow them to become the best version of themselves and become what they need to be in their life. I remember that being such a daunting feeling. I know, especially as a young mom, and even through the teens when things were not always easy, reaching out for resources, looking for books, talking to other parents, leaning on my own parents to help me figure things out and how to be a better parent. And it is those resources that are so invaluable. And that's why I am really happy to introduce to you today on the podcast one of those resources. If you are a parent now, if you have ever looked for resources, if you are a person who's wanting to become a parent at some point, then I know you're going to get something out of this episode. Jackie Michael is a career psychotherapist specializing in working with families and in parenting. She has just published her first book called Hooray for Parenting, and it is a bestseller full of great thoughts and advice and resources to help all of us become better parents. And so I'm excited for you to sit back and listen. Get out a pad and paper so that you can take some notes if if you're interested, and definitely pick up the book, Hooray for Parenting, on Amazon if you are looking for ways to become better parents. We also talk about parenting during the pandemic, um, as this episode in her book actually came out during the quarantine pandemic, the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. So she gives lots of thoughts on being a parent during this particular time in history as well. As we head into the recording, I am going to give you just a short warning. The first few minutes, there is a bit of crackling in the dialogue and that was just something with the internet connection that was happening. I'm going to have the podcast editor work on that a little bit and hopefully even that out a bit. But if you hear some crackling at the beginning, just bear with it. Within a few minutes that evens out and it gets a lot better as you go. So again, get out a pad and paper, sit back. I think you're going to get lots of great thoughts and ideas from this conversation and I invite you to listen in as Jackie Michael shares her story. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to It Just Takes One. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. 
I am so excited to have you on the call. I have to say that as I was preparing and thinking about this uh, conversation that we're going to have, I was thinking that in the time that you and I have been working together, we have had so many fascinating conversations. And I was thinking about uh, just how much I was looking forward to it because I think you and I enjoy the conversations, but I'm really hoping that the listeners will also get something from the time that we're together. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Excellent. So I want to give the listeners a little bit of perspective and background on you. Some of them may know you, many of them will not, and I want to introduce you to them by sharing a little bit of your history and your background, because this is not your first day in this business, and uh, you have a very long history uh, of working in psychotherapy, working with people, working with families, working with parents. So let's just start there and share a little bit about your experience, your career in psychotherapy and coaching. So I originally started my career in Boston, and I worked in in some diverse settings there. I worked in um, medical facilities, and I worked in the community, but I also worked in adult and child psychiatry. After that, I started private practice I actually started in Boston, but then moved to Houston, where I had a private practice for 10 years. And during that time, I saw many, many parents. People brought their children to me, um, brought their own personal concerns about depression, anxiety, um, even their parenting skills. I actually offered a workshop for parents. And then after 10 years, I moved to upstate New York. And in upstate New York, in Utica, actually, I became a child guidance clinic, which no longer exists. But then I became the clinical director of the Family Service Agency mm -hmm. and was training uh, the whole staff, the clinical staff, in working again with very diverse kinds of situations, families um, in, in the community, struggling with their kids, and also coming in just as adults wanting help for themselves. And then I, I began a private practice. And along with that, in addition to my training as a <clears throat> clinical social worker, I trained in the very, very early days of coaching. And it was a program designed for coaching for psychotherapists. And I became an executive coach and I ended up working with CEOs, entrepreneurs, women leaders and managers, and delivering workshops. Also delivering workshops on parenting, stress, creativity, communication, all sorts of things. So I've had a very uh, long career and very diverse, working with people from every, work, every walk of life, which I think is critical to my understanding of the issues of parenting, and that no matter who you're talking to, whether it's the CEOs or, or somebody in a low-income housing project or uh, a teacher in a suburban high school, in the background, the issue of parenting is always primary. And, and so that's part of what led me to want to focus on parenting, to bring my experience, my diverse experience, and particularly my understanding about what it takes to be a leader, a manager, and the kinds of training 
that people have to function in those capacities out in the world, but there is never any focus on that when people are talking about parenting. And so my, my whole thought process is that parents are in fact leaders, the first teachers, and in so many ways heroic and never get celebrated or acknowledged. It's true. That's true. Although as you're saying that, it's bringing me back to, I remember this, I don't know, maybe an interview or something that Will Smith was doing at one point. And it's always stuck with me because it was so true and it was funny. And he was talking about the birth of his first child. So when he became a parent and he described it as the, the week before he had you know, his wife went in to have the baby, he had bought a new TV. And so he went to buy this new TV and they sent him home with this, you know, ginormous box with the TV in it. And when he opened the box, there was a manual, you know, three inches thick of how to install the TV and how to work the TV. And then half of that three inch book was troubleshooting. Like when this goes wrong, try this. When this goes wrong, try this. And it was, you know, all the ins and outs of how to work and make a TV be its best function, right? And then he goes to the hospital and his wife has this baby. And this is a momentous moment of becoming a parent. And he was recalling as they walked out of the hospital, he's sort of wheeling his wife out of the baby. <laughs> and, they, and they give him the baby to put in the car seat just like this package, right? And he, he's going, but, but where's the manual? You know, where's the three-inch manual that tells me what to do now? <laughs> uh -huh. There's no instruction book. There's nothing. So not only are parents not celebrated, but there is not, there are not a lot of instruction manuals to tell us how to, to do what we need to do. And maybe most importantly, the troubleshooting, how to handle things when they go awry or when it doesn't go as smoothly as you want it to. Um, so I think about that and I think, you know, as you wrote this book to me as a parent, to me, this was an, a great example of one of those manuals. Like here is a book that can give you some instruction. Is that what you envisioned when you decided to actually finally put this career into a book? Well, I think there's an important distinction to make. Um, Actually, I, I liken what I've done in the book to looking into a crystal, and there's so many different facets, and we have to look at all of the facets, mm -hmm. and it's hard to address one without addressing the other. So as distinct from a manual how to hook up the TV, <laughs> there's another facet to parenting. And it's key to the training and the manuals actually for people in management and leadership, which has to do with who are you being and what is the context you're creating so that you're, the people who are working for you actually um, are their most, not only productive, but uh, passionate about their work and working together as a team. So those, those questions about who you are being are central to thinking about yourself as a parent, being mindful about yourself. So the book that I created, I would say, in, touches on every facet that I think is critical, and that includes things to do, and also resources so that if parents wanna go and explore a whole book on a given subject, uh, I've got lots of resources available there. And the other thing that I've done in the book is raise questions so that 
it really inspires people. And I've had a lot of positive feedback about this. It makes them think. And so instead of just recommending, we'll do this, that, or the other thing, and that will solve whatever you're up against, you, you want to start thinking about where you're coming from, your attitudes and points of view, and also understanding that your children are separate little human beings who have minds of their own and how important it is to understand where they're coming from also. So much in there to unpack. I think you touched on so many things that I want to give a little bit more time to because I think the listeners that are parents um, I hope their ears are starting to perk up because these are these are really helpful ideas for them. The first thing you described um, actually reminds me of a quote that was in the foreword of the book. So um, the woman who wrote the foreword, Kim Landon, who is a professor here at Utica College, um, wrote, what you will learn from Jackie Michael's approach to raising kids is that mastery of parenting is not about what we do as parents, it is about who we decide we are going to be as parents. And you started discussing that. Talk a little bit more about that. Uh, how, how do we discover who we want to be as parents? And why is that so important as we embrace this role? Okay, that makes me think I just wanted to, to comment maybe as a lead into that, Fred Rogers said in a book <laughs> he, he wrote years and years ago when he was still alive, uh, a book for parents was that parenting is a process of learning and growing and there's no way you can avoid it. And so part of the process of learning and growing is discovering what I'm, I would call your background conversations or in the book I talk about it as mental models. Mm -hmm. uh, we all generate out of decisions we made usually a long time ago and when we're not aware of them, they just drive us right through life. And for the most part, I think parents make decisions about how they're going to parent based on whether they think their parents did it right or their parents didn't do it right, and they're going to do the opposite. And so there's a very automatic way that we tend to parent and a, a very reactive way of parenting. So we're just reacting to the situations. Now that's totally understandable because when you have a baby and then your kids are growing, there's so many demands on you uh, and so much that's new. And so, so to just react, react, react to what's in front of you next is totally understandable. So to step back and start looking at well, how come I'm getting so angry? What am I reacting to? And is it really just simply what my kid is doing? Or is it something that's been triggered in me? And if I were to step back, could I be more effective in engaging in this situation? Mm -hmm. And so often I'll say to parents that I'm working with who just are just filled with being so angry. I say, do you remember in school when you had a teacher who was angry and ranting and raving and trying to get control of the classroom? Wasn't that the teacher who had less control than the teacher who had uh, perspective and was calm and clear about their expectations? That was the teacher that controlled the classroom, mm. not the one that was triggered and reactivated. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Really good analogy. <laughs> I'm <laughs> thinking of those teachers in my mind as you're saying it. Um, 
So that sounds, I mean, uh, that makes perfect sense, but maybe sounds easier than it is because we are, you know, in the moment, the emotion of whatever triggered us is very intense. How, how do we learn to step back? How do we learn to, how do we train ourselves to not react in the moment and do something in the moment, but rather actually sit back so we can choose how we want to be? Because that distancing can, can be easy when you're calm, but not so easy when you're not calm. <laughs> Well, I think there's two, two different aspects to this. I think parents need to take the time when, when things are going well, when they have some time to pause and reflect, to start to look at what, what, is, what is driving them or what is their kind of uh, commitment and context that they're generating. Or have they even thought about that? Because I, I'm not sure that we often take the time to step back and say, what, what it is that, that I am committed to having my kids learn about their inner control, about the decisions they're making? How do I empower them? I'm not sure we step back and think. So there's, so there's that piece, and then there's in the moment piece when you're in the middle of something. So I think there's two things. Sometimes you can't help it. You just react. <laughs> Sometimes you can say to yourself, what am I getting so angry about? Uh, what's going on with me? And tell yourself to chill and think through uh, and you can do that in the moment. And um, so you also need to be compassionate and forgiving of yourself. When, and children are incredibly forgiving when you just react and uh, maybe say things you don't you wish you didn't say or do things you wish you didn't do. But um, the more in the moment you can be present, not only to your child, but to yourself. Um, the more you can try to separate yourself from the child's reactivation, and if, if they're old enough, and, and truly this can start when they're as little as, I'd say three, but all the way up, to, to help them think about what, what they're feeling inside, what's going on, that they are out of control. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing. Years ago, we didn't understand as much about feelings. We didn't understand about uh, all the recent information about the brain. Um, but now we know that we can help children find language to, to talk about what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And put things into words or use words instead of just having a temper tantrum. We can help them learn. They have the capacity to make choices, as you were saying, we can choose. To help children learn, they can choose. They can, they can control. When they are upset or disappointed, that, that they can learn um, to to integrate that, to accept that. And all of those skills are so useful, not only as kids grow up, but as we as grown-ups keep growing up. <laughs> we don't stop either. And, I, and I'm glad that you um, pointed out the distinction there. Um, and it goes back to another thing that you mentioned when we kind of led into this uh, conversation. That moment that in the, in the quiet times, that you actually take some time to consider who you want to be as a parent and give yourself an opportunity to really think through that. And that is one of the things that you offer in the book. You have these spaces, literally spaces where they can write even, um, where they can consider 
those kinds of things. So that was something that was important to you. I know as we were working through the process, um, that was something that was important to you to give parents a chance and a space to be able to think about themselves. So can you share a little bit about some of those ec um, exercises and things, those, those questions that you provided in the book? Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I ask people, I can't, I don't have the exact questions in front of me, but I ask people to reflect on decisions they made as a, as a child about their own parents. I ask people to recall experiences they had in nature, because one of the things I think is so critical is all of us getting in touch with our connection with nature and helping our kids do that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I ask questions about um, or things about whether they've thought about the connection between one thing and another. So one of the things I talk about is, is how gratitude mm -hmm. is connected to both within a circle of itself, growth and development and better relationships and and happiness and success, but then it's also linked with what what is called a growth mindset, so that when children are more uh, open to being coached, being criticized, and learning from that, as opposed to to shying away from it, that those all those things feed on each other and uh, contribute to each other. So I think I've asked questions related to that, questions related to um, their own experience of being a leader and being in charge of things, just any number of, of questions. It's one of the things that I enjoyed the most about the book is that you brought in, and I, your vision of the crystal was another thing I wanted to come back to, you brought in all these different aspects, things that as a parent you might not necessarily think about so deeply like the impact of nature the, the the ripple effect of gratitude you know they they may not be something that you spend a lot of time thinking about but in the book you you really make them important you show how important they are and give parents a chance to consider their relationship with those things and then how do they want to take what they believe about them and share that with their mm -hmm. kids. Right. So there were, there, there were several different things that I think are key to, to what I brought together in the book. And I, I thought this might be helpful to mention. There was an era in the 80s and 90s, and it was key in the field of psychotherapy and education, parenting, where all the focus was on happiness, self-esteem, and kids having everything they wanted, like that would make them happy. And what has happened out of that is we've created this culture, and there's tons of books about it now, that where um, young people, children feel entitled. Uh, they feel like they should have what they want when they want it. That the adults are kind of at their service, at their command. And so I think there's, there's a time, we've come to a time where that whole paradigm needs to shift and is starting to shift where there is a focus on not only gratitude kindness caring about others caring about nature and the emphasis and i think this whole pandemic has been confronting both to parents and to 
kids that, well, life isn't just out there to please you to do what you want and or to, to have what you want even that it that there's some things that are more important than the material things than just being able to um, you know do whatever you feel like when you're when you feel like it and uh, and I so I think that that young people are starting to see and starting to feel that compassion, giving to others, thinking about others, uh, and also caring for the environment are like primary concerns for them. And uh, so I think you notice that in all the the protests that are going on even. that, and, and I've had young people tell me that they're going to be the change. They're going to be the transformation. But going back again to their parents, their parents are, are you know, kind of fostering them moving forward and creating a future. Mm-hmm. And a different future than is just about being happy, which, and I, I, get, I don't know if I said this or not, but you know, the result has been huge increase in depression, anxiety, discontent. Employers talk about how young people don't want to work, that kind of thing. And and actually the, you know, the real sense of well-being and satisfaction in life comes from, from having a purpose, having, being able to give your gifts, be creative. And by that, I mean, whatever your talents are, it could be carpentry, it could be music, it could be um, mathematics, technology, but the real joy and satisfaction in life comes out of that, not out of just having everything you want. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and we were talking about this earlier, you know, the, the, the pandemic, the quarantine, uh, the, the riots, there's a lot happening in the world that is new to all of us. And as parents, you know, we've never dealt with something like this for ourselves. So there's that piece, you know, kind of sorting it through for, for just ourselves. And then there's the additional piece of how do we help our kids sort through this. And you were doing a wonderful set of teleseminars right when the quarantine started called Parenting During the Pandemic um, and, and had a great response on that because there is this really added element um, of, of uncertainty in the world that none of us have experienced. What, what are a couple of ideas maybe two, three ideas that you might have for parents who are right now trying to navigate this world that is just something so new and um, just uncertain is the word that keeps coming up, uh, full of fear, but also perhaps full of opportunity. What are a couple of pieces of advice you might have for a parent who is trying to navigate their way through this right now with their kids? Well, I'd just like to start by saying I understand how challenging and how difficult it is for parents at this time. So many are working from home, trying to help their kids with homeschooling. So not to minimize the challenge uh, of this period, besides the, the confront to our own reality. I mean, when you say that, I think, yeah, I kept thinking at the beginning of all this, this can't be happening to us. This isn't, this isn't our world. Mm-hmm. And yes, little by little, we've all gotten used to, maybe not totally used to, but the idea that, that life is changing and things are different. So I, I think one could get, as a parent and in and as children and interacting with kids really down about the whole thing. Like, this isn't fair. Mm -hmm. How can this be happening to me? This is awful. I'm missing my, 
you know, whatever, my graduation, my birthday party, whatever it is. But I think to talk with kids and also to talk with yourself about the opportunity here for us to think in new ways and think about how we can make a difference to others. And, you know, it's interesting. I was interviewed for an article about parents who have to go to the food bank now when that was totally never in their reality. They've always worked and always provided for their families. And, and I, I talked about how important it is actually, rather than thinking of it as a handout, to think about it as a gift. And that when we receive a gift, we return the gift in some other way. We can return gifts without spending any money. Calling someone up, um, uh, sending a thank you note, uh, sending a, some cookies to the neighbor or to uh, someone in a, an assisted uh, living facility that you're close to. So I think a look to help parents think about with their children what, what they can do. And there actually are stories of many kids who've come up with their own ideas about raising money, making masks, you know, there's just an abundance of suggestions. So I think if you, if you look at it from the opportunity rather than the downside, that would be one thing. Then I think it's also an opportunity if parents really commit themselves to it, to being with their children, listening to their children, having fun, playing games, you know, uh, going for walks outdoors if you're in an area where you can do that. And uh, so I think that's another thing. And one of the things we talked about early in the, uh, the parenting for pandemic teleclasses was the importance of structure. And I was, uh, had a teacher who was co-hosting that with me and she talked about the the difficulty working with the children these were first graders uh on these zoom classrooms and how one of the mothers contacted her and said everything was totally out of control and her advice was put structure in that's exactly like you would on any other day. You get up, you get dressed, you brush your teeth, you have breakfast, and then you go to school. And again, children thrive on structure. They do much better when they know what to anticipate. So that was another thing. And um, okay, and then the, the fourth thing I thought about was to talk with children and help them understand the, the historical change that we're going through. It's an opportunity even to refresh yourself on our country's history. And there are books written for kids that talk about heroes and people who have made a huge difference in, in creating social justice and dealing with adversity and dealing with the environment. Mm -hmm. So I, as parents, I would suggest you look for age-appropriate books like that, possibly at your library or on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or whatever, and, and take the time not only to read to your kids, but to talk with them about, let's say, the arc of history, mm. that, that things are bending and moving forward, uh, both, I would say, in terms of consciousness about the environment and consciousness about social justice and diversity. 
And so I just invite people to explore those things, but don't hesitate to, to talk with your kids about it. Yeah, I think it's been, um, yeah, history will always have its eye on us, right? <laughs> it's going to have literally 2020 vision once we can look back on this. Um, but it's so interesting that the time that we spent in quarantine, where we literally cocooned with people that were the most important to us and reconnected with this very elemental family core, right? Yes. Happened on the on the eve of this great social unrest. Mm -hmm. So it was almost as if we were able to anchor down into our family unit, into what is the grounding foundation of our life. Yes. And have that just before it felt like, you know, these protests began and sort of this, this massive feeling of shift and change that's coming, um, that we, that we sense is coming. Um, I, I think that's really unique. And actually also I'll add to that. We're doing a book. Uh, we're doing a collaborative book with teenagers right now. And basically be, to talk about their experience during the quarantine and the thing that has come out, every one of them on some level has discussed some of what they're missing, which, you know, the friends and the birthday parties and that, but really what that they have embraced and, and appreciated of this moment is that family connection is sitting down and playing games, uh, having at workouts together. One of them was trying, someone was talking about tug of war they were doing, <laughs> you know, when their, their dad kept having to be the one on both sides because whoever had him was winning. Uh, they're getting that. They're getting it. And instead of moving by each other at this fast pace that we were living even just months ago, they've now suddenly developed an appreciation for the family in a way that they really couldn't have without that quarantine. And I think that's exactly what you're speaking to. Yeah, that's excellent. And it also makes me think of the whole issue of concern to many adults is kids being glued to their cell phones. So they're, you know, we're at a, uh, uh, an epic period of isolation in our culture. And so what you're speaking to is kids getting, and parents getting away from their cell phones and coming together and really getting, in many cases, really getting to know each other and enjoy each other. Yes, I think it's been profound. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I wonder what will come of that. But I do, because of the kids I'm interacting with, I'm seeing what you're describing, you know, the appreciation of that and the recognition, their parents are recognizing. The other thing I would say to it um, as well, and I think this actually came out of a conversation I had with you somewhere early on in the quarantine while we were still working on the book, was what is it that you want your children to take away from this moment in time? Because yes. if they are worried and feeling the concern and the loss and the uncertainty and the fear, then will they come out of it being afraid? Will they come out of it being afraid to touch people, to interact with people? Um, or do you want them to come out feeling confident and secure in who they are and the support system that they have you know, do you want them to come out embracing rather than resisting? Um, I think that was an important part for me as a parent to think about, you know, what, what message do I want my kids to get from this moment? Yes, I, I think I, I would use the word, you want them to come out feeling empowered mm. as opposed to feeling defeated, overwhelmed, depressed. Uh, you, so you want to think about and, and help them think in those terms, that they have the capacity, if you will, to change the world, to be who they want to be as they grow, as they go out into the world, and to really make a difference in, in the world. 
And the recognition that if that is what we want them to come out of this with, it has to start with us as parents being that first, right? Yeah. Yeah. Us at the beginning, Um, deciding that that is who we are going to be. So that is what we are going to give. Um, Yes. Yes. Just the start to that. Fascinating. Great, great stuff. Um, I also want to make a nod because this is this is your first book, which is exciting. It became a bestseller, which is wonderful as it launched this week. It hit number one in multiple categories. Um, but you're also choosing to give a donation with this book. So speaking of empowering others and you know paying forward um, and deciding what you want to give to the world, you've actually made a decision to give a percentage of the proceeds to an organization. Talk a little bit about that and why that was important to you. Okay, so so the organization is the Onondaga Earth Corps, and it's it's actually a local organization here in the Syracuse area, but it's part of a national, it's called the National Corps Network, and it's its purpose actually it's built on and i don't know if people would be familiar with the old um, civilian conservation corps which was um what was created in the great depression and uh, uh many of our state and national parks have been built by people who are given jobs when there were no jobs uh and they built these magnificent stone buildings and stone walls and roads and all sorts of things. But the, the, the currently first um, core is about empowering young people. And in fact, they are hired uh, to be active participants in their own communities and to uh, contribute both to the community and to the environment. So they spend a lot of time uh, learning about trees. They know more about trees and the environment than I'll ever know. Mm-hmm. And they, they have, in Syracuse, they planted trees all over the city, um, close to a thousand or more trees. And, and it's been transforming for their lives. It gives them employment. And that's especially critical in this time when People are so out of uh, work, and um, we're going to see that over the summer. But youth employment is apparently even more difficult than the issue of unemployment in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's money, grant money, to hire these kids and keep them active, give them a sense of purpose to step out and educate people in their communities and learn to speak in public, work, learn to work as a team. A lot of exciting things and it's transforming for their lives. And I think the people connected and I'm thinking of the bit bigger community that supports them mm-hmm. are inspired and moved by the work they, they do. And I think what, what I have found is that people nowadays are interested in contributing to organizations where they have real understanding of what's being done. What, where does their money go to? So anyway, I'm excited about it. Very excited. And I've been volunteering the organization for um, a few years and wanted that to be where the proceeds of my book go. Fantastic. It's so in alignment with you and the message that you're giving in the book as well. Um, So many pieces of it that align so beautifully with what you're doing. And I'm always, um, always so grateful when people are paying forward and, and yes, contribute to the community on a bigger level. I could talk forever and ever. There's so many more pieces that we could go into, but I do want to be mindful of time and um, get people to get reading the book and 
connecting with you on multiple levels. This book is not the only thing that you have out there. Just uh, share a little bit about some of the other resources that you have and some of the other projects that you are, have available for people that are interested in these topics. Well, uh, I'm about to work with Kelly and the workbook will include not only more uh, questions that are going to help you think more deeply about the things in the book, but it will also have a guide for uh, leading discussion groups. So one of the things I really think is very valuable is working with other parents. I call it the parent-to-parent -parent guide, discussion guide because we gain so much from learning from other parents. Mm -hmm. So that, that workbook will be available pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Then I also have on my website, which is Gratitude Leads, as distinct from the name of the book is Hooray for Parenting Your Guide to Raising Great Kids. Uh, I have thank you notes, eco-friendly thank you notes for kids with stickers included because one of the things that I feel is so valuable is to teach children early to say thank you. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I've had reports back that um, someone got a thank you note from a kid and they were so excited they wrote a thank you note back to the kids saying thank you for the thank you note <laughs> because they never hear thank you anymore. So we have that. I have a wonderful um, poster. It's actually, it's, it's only four and a half inches wide and hangs, uh, I don't know, about um, feet or something uh, that includes the gratitude prayer or a version of it of the uh, Iroquois nation or the Haudenosaunee, which is uh, the native population in the, in the region that all of us live in, in central New York. And uh, so those are the things that are, are there. And um, if you go to gratitudeleads.com, mm -hmm. You can get any of those things and uh, wonderful. I will make sure that that gets in the show notes as well. Gratitudeleads.com. I actually have purchased those thank you notes a few times for my kids to use for their own thank you notes. And I, I do agree the, the gift of a handwritten note is invaluable because it is so rare nowadays when you can just text it or email it. Right. Yeah. So good. Um, I want to read um, a, a section, actually the last bit of the book, because I want people to kind of have this overall feeling of what this book is about. Um, so if you'll bear with me, I'd like to just read for you just the last paragraph of the book um, to bring it back to that. It says, always remember that mastering the art of raising great kids is a process of continuous learning, self-reflection, and practice. It is about being creative and respectful of the uniqueness of each child as well as yourself. It is the steady commitment to meet the challenges by prioritizing what really matters and what works, not simply what is the easiest automatic thing to do. I wish you the very best. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy the journey. Great. Thanks. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful ending to the book. And it is a journey. It is all a journey. But it is so wonderful to have resources to help you along the way. You're not alone. And there are um, resources such as this book and the things that Jackie just mentioned that can help us as parents of find our way through the forest, <laughs> find the path. Jackie, I like to bring my podcast interviews to a close with the question about the, the title of the podcast, which is, it just takes one. 
And I'm always curious about the, the answers because they're so varied and there are so many answers to the question. What does it just takes one mean? And so I'd like to ask you, what, what does that phrase mean to you? Well, I think that um, to know that who we are and what we bring to our kids is actually transformational and that every, every individual makes a difference. And when, when we're clear that as a parent, our actions, our way of being, the lessons that we give, the, the, even the communications we share with others are in and of themselves making a difference and they really matter. So sometimes I think people think, me, I'm just a little individual. I don't make a difference. It's, it's owning our own individuality that makes a difference that is transforming in the whole uh, kind of mindset and, and a shift in the culture that we're one part of, of the whole and uh, that we matter, uh, how, how we bring ourselves to our interactions with our kids matters. And one could say brings about change in the world. Mm. I think that's, that's kind of what I would say. Beautiful. Beautiful. I think that is an important message, maybe in this moment of history more than ever, that you do matter and that you do make a difference. Absolutely. <laughs> really important. Wonderful. Jackie, thank you so much. Thank you for this book. Thank you for the expertise and the experience and the love and, and gratitude that you bring to it. And I have no doubt that it is going to help many of us out here who are working our way through the path of parenting. Well, thank you, Kelly, for having me. It's been an honor. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, great. And there you have it. Some great words of wisdom from Jackie Michael sharing her experience and thoughts about parenting and how to raise great kids. I just wanted to go back and reiterate a couple of points that she brought out, especially at the end when we were talking about parenting during the pandemic. Obviously, this is a pretty unique time for us as parents. And she gave us four pieces of advice that I think are worth repeating. Number one, she said, don't minimize the challenge of this period of time. It is challenging and it's important to just recognize that, accept it, and then go on to number two, which is to think about new ways and things we can do to help others. Use this as an opportunity to make a difference. And she shared some ways to do that, but I certainly encourage you to be creative with your kids to think about ways that you can help others in your community. Number three, she said, use this as a great opportunity to be with your children, to listen to them, to play with them, and to have some fun with them. It is a unique time to have a little bit more time with them and um, just use that as an opportunity. And number four, which I thought was very interesting, was refresh yourself on our country's history. Fascinating idea. Think about where we have been, what we have come through, how many things we have overcome, and use that as a reminder that we are resilient, that we are strong, and that no matter how challenging this moment is, this too shall pass. So I appreciated Jackie being on today. I appreciate you listening in. 
And if you would like more information about Jackie, you can check her out on her website at JackieMichael.com. Her new book, Hooray for Parenting, Your Guide for Raising Great Kids, is available now on Amazon. That's it for us today on It Just Takes One. We look forward to sharing our next episode with you soon. 